Catholic History Trek, a podcast exploring the Catholic past. When Kevin and I began our trek through Catholic history a year and a half ago, we did not know what to expect. We thought perhaps at first we'd get a few listeners from Ohio, where we're both located, and hopefully expand outward from that. But we had no idea how far our reach would extend. To the surprise of both of us, our podcast analytics showed we had international listeners all the way in Australia. And today, Australia remains the home of our most international listeners, or at least our most international listens, just ahead of Canada and various European countries. And so this got me thinking about Australia. Like many Americans, I'm aware of some of the basics, such as koalas and kangaroos and zoology, the Opera Sydney House and the Gone Train and engineering, COVID camps and gun confiscations and politics, Ayers Rock and the Twelve Apostles and geology, Vegemite and Tim Tam in the grocery store, and of course their national cricket team is pretty dominant in World Cup events. And not just these ODIs, but that cricket team is also pretty good in test matches in 2020s. But what about from a Catholic history perspective? Of the many countries Kevin and I have mentioned in our episodes, Australia is one whose name has never been called. Today, I plan to rectify that by covering a pair of Australian contributions to the world of Catholic history. Father Leslie Rumble's wonderful book of Catholic apologetics called Radio Replies, and Australia's first canonized saint, Mary McKillop. Leslie Rumble was born in Sydney, Australia in the year 1892. He was raised in a home which was nominally Anglican and, as he would later describe, probably with more inherited prejudices than most non-Catholics of these days, asserting that his Protestant teachers taught him to dislike the Catholic Church intensely. Despite the anti-Catholic culture and little apparent faith at home, his father suddenly left the comforts of Protestantism and became a Catholic in 1908. Leslie reluctantly followed, but after two years reverted back to the Church of England. Apparently, those two years attending the traditional Latin Mass left an impression on him as Leslie found that Protestant worship, in his own words, proved in the end to be empty, altogether too free from God's prescriptions. So, impressed by a Catholic colleague, he rejoined the Catholic Church. Leslie felt a call to the priesthood, and on the suggestion of his parish priest in 1913, he joined the French Missionaries of the Sacred Heart in Sydney. The Missionaries of the Sacred Heart, officially the Missionari Sacratissimi Cordis, from which they received their postnomial letters MSC, were founded in 1854 in France by Father Jules Chevalier to promote the knowledge and practice of the devotion of the Sacred Heart of Jesus embodied in the revelations of our Lord to Blessed Margaret Mary Alacoque and of offering personal reparation to his heart. And for more on the history of the Sacred Heart devotion, be sure to check out our Catholic History Trek episode on St. Margaret Mary Alacoque and the Sacred Heart. Now ordained, Father Rumble taught theology at Sacred Heart Monastery in 1927, and as part of the preparations for the 29th International Eucharistic Congress to be held in Sydney the following year, Father Rumble began a Sunday evening question box radio program, answering questions about Catholicism. The idea of the question box was that listeners could submit anonymous questions about Catholicism, and he, for his part, would do his best to provide answers. The show proved to be a success, and for five years he answered questions on many subjects related to the Catholic faith and morals. 
Questions were submitted from all over the world and were heard weekly across Australia and New Zealand radio. What made the show popular was that Father Rumble was short in words, but not on depth. He did not deliver long-winded answers that said much while actually saying little. Instead, he delivered direct, concise answers and willingly addressed the most difficult hot-button questions of the day. For example, he didn't dance around heretical gestures of hell being empty or embrace unrepentant mortal sin in the name of dialogue. Instead, he simply presented the Catholic faith. If I were to try to think of a modern comparison, I'd suggest maybe someone like Father Mike Schmitz. In his work for Ascension Presents, he has a penchant for delivering authentic Catholic truths in a manner that's not only compassionate, but direct and easy to understand. In the 1930s, his question box answers were turned into an Australian book titled Radio Replies, so people could go back to his answers they'd previously heard on the radio, and so the replies could reach a broader audience outside of Australia. The Radio Replies book series became a very popular one for evangelization and apologetics, and the desire to make the books more readily available in America leads us to the other name you'll see on a cover of the Radio Replies book, Reverend Charles Mortimer Carty. If you heard our Catholic History Trek episode on anti-Catholicism, you may remember that in the 20th century, the United States of America was still a hotbed of anti-Catholic bigotry. One man who worked to actively combat this was Reverend Charles Mortimer Carty. He took to the radio waves broadcasting a radio program, the Catholic Radio Hour, from St. Paul, Minnesota, and was a Catholic campaigner for Christ, which was an apostolate focused on street evangelization in which he used a trailer and loudspeaker system to preach the faith. Father Cardi distributed pamphlets and books on the Catholic faith from his trailer so people could take printed materials home and have something to read, reinforcing what they'd just heard in his preaching. Of all the books Father Cardi had on his trailer, he found that Father Rumble's radio replies was by far the most popular. But this caused something of a challenge. He wanted to get more copies of radio replies into the hands of the more people, but getting the book from Australia to America was a venture played with delays and prohibitive costs. So Father Cardi reached out to Father Rumble and they began the Radio Replies Press Society Publishing Company to print up copies of Radio Replies in the United States. They finished the first volume of the American edition, received an imprimatur, received a preface written for them by Monsignor Fulton J. Sheen, and began to sell the books. Radio Replies turned into a phenomenon Letters began pouring into their office from every corner of the United States, and not just from Catholics. Even Protestant publishing houses requested copies of the book for distribution to Protestant seminaries. A few Catholic seminaries even adopted the book as an official textbook. And all this was accomplished before Father Rumble and Father Cardi had ever met in person. The duo ultimately published three volumes of radio replies, but these were not the only works composed by the two priests. Father Cardi published the book Padre Pio the Stigmatist in 1963, a year before he died, while Father Rumble also gave talks and retreats in addition to writing books. In 1968, the advance of glycoma forced him to retire, during which he wrote one final book at the request of his religious superior. That last book was titled Questions People Ask About the Catholic Church, which was published a few years before his death in 1975. The purpose of Radio Replies was to teach people about the Catholic faith, and the role of education is synonymous with our next great Australian contribution to the Catholic faith, St. Mary MacKillop. 
Mary Helen McKillop was born on the 15th of January 1842 in Melbourne, Australia, as the first of eight children to Scottish immigrants. Her father was a former seminarian who apparently successfully handed on the faith to his children as one of Mary's brothers became a Jesuit priest and one of her sisters became a member of the Good Shepherd Sisters. But among her father's qualities, providing financial stability for his family was not one of them. In 1851, he even mortgaged their family farm and trekked back to Scotland, abandoning his family for 17 months. This financial hardship pushed them into the charity of their family and made young Mary a primary wage earner for them. At age 16, she worked as a clerk in a stationery store, and at age 18, she began to work as a governess. She took on teaching roles at various schools and in 1866 was invited by Father Julian Tennyson Woods to open a Catholic school with two of her sisters. Few other women joined the McKillops and donning simple habits, they formed the beginnings of a new religious community in Adelaide. Mary took the name Sister Mary of the Cross, and the small group began to call themselves the Sisters of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart. The rule of life was adopted by Bishop Lawrence Scheel, OFM, and by the end of 1867, they acquired 10 more women and adopted a brown religious habit. These Josephites, with their brown habits, became popularly known as the Brown Joeys. The Josephites were something of a novelty or oddity for the time in Australia. Most other religious orders consisted of young women from well-to-do families who were living in large cloistered convents, while the Brown Joeys consisted of regular women of no social or economic standing who went into the world living and serving among the poor. In 1871, the Brown Joeys had 131 sisters working in more than 40 schools and charitable institutions across Queensland and South Australia. They say a good deed never goes unpunished, and this was certainly the case for Sister Mary of the Cross. Factionalism and jealousy led to pressure being placed on Bishop Shield to excommunicate Sister Mary. An attacks on the order caused a split, and a group of the sisters broke away and donned black habits, taking the informal name of the Black Joeys. Ultimately, this excommunication was lifted a year later, and an Episcopal commission completely exonerated her from the invented attacks against her. Following years, she traveled to Rome to seek papal approval for the religious congregation and was encouraged in her work by Pope Pius IX. While in Europe, she traveled widely to observe educational methods to bring back with her to Australia. After a two-year absence, she returned to Australia in January of 1875 to a thriving community. But with success comes admiration, and out of admiration grows jealousy. Bishop James Quinn of Brisbane attempted to take over the schools which Mary MacKillop had established in his diocese. In many ways, it's reminiscent of what happened to the founders of EWTN, Mother Angelica, a century later. As EWTN grew in popularity, a group of left-leaning American bishops attempted to wrestle control of the network away from the conservative nun, which led to her famous reply, I'd blow the damn thing up before I'll let you get your hands on it. In the case of Mother Angelica, she ultimately gave control to a lay board to prevent the bishops from taking it upon her death. Fortunately, in the case of Sister Mary of the Cross, nothing got blown up, at least not physically. By 1879, Bishop Quinn kicked the Brown Joeys out of his diocese and handed over the school to other religious orders. Less than a decade later, Pope Leo XIII gave official approval to the Sisters of St. Joseph of the Sacred Heart. Sister Mary died in 1909, and in 1925, Mother Lawrence, the superior of the Sisters of St. Joseph, began the process to have MacKillop declared a saint. 
1931, the process was suspended for 20 years until being reopened in 1951. In 1995, she was beatified by Pope John Paul II, and in 2010 was canonized by Pope Benedict XVI as the first Australian saint of the Catholic Church. Mary McKillop's beatification and canonization has led to a number of references to her in popular Australian culture. Official postage stamps were issued by Australian Post, several colleges have been named after her, a new type of rose was named after her. In 2008, she was included as one of the inspirational Australians by the Royal Australian Mint and had her image added to the $1 coins that year. And perhaps most importantly, in 2008, a new bridge on the Dry Creek Port Adelaide Railway line was named in her honor. When Father Rumble was creating his radio replies, and when St. Mary MacKillop was teaching Australia's children, the timeless language of the Universal Church and the Mass was Latin. And as such, Kevin and I end our episodes with a prayer in the Church's historic language. Gloria Patri et Filio Spiritui Sancto, Sicutrat in Principio et Nunc et Semper, et in Saecula Saeculorum. Amen. Thank you for listening to Catholic History Trek. You can reach us at catholichistorytrek at gmail.com.